right. How you guys doing this morning? Good, good, good. Uh, well, when I was in high school, I uh, went, and when I was a senior in high school in the afternoons, I went to Terra Community College in Fremont to take uh, just college classes. And one of the classes that I had to take, and I feel like I've talked about this before, is speech. Anybody have to take that in high school or college? Any of you guys just hate that class? Yeah, like all of us are raising our hands again. Yeah, um, I hated speech, didn't like it, wasn't fun, um, was not interested in it by any means. And the thing that I hated about it the most was I would go up there and I'd be all nervous and sweating and it'd be like, and everybody could tell because everybody was that way or almost everybody was that way. And I'd go up there and I would stumble through my pathetic speech. And then everybody at the end, you know, after the six or eight minutes or whatever, they'd give you the courtesy clap and you go sit down, sit in your seat. And then and the next person would get up and they would just like dominate it. They'd like go up and they would be funny and witty and entertaining and, uh, and smooth and everybody in the class is all laughing and enjoying. It's just, it's just the difference between the two. It was like night and day and I hated that because it was just like, man, why is that person so much better? And what I realized in those moments is that, hey, here's the deal. Some people have the gift, all right? I don't think that person practiced a whole bunch. Um, you know, maybe they did. I don't know. But, uh, but I think it's just they have the gift, and some of us don't, including me, at least at that, at that time. Um, and, and for me, it was like, you know, this class would be so much better, and I would get a lot better grade in this class if I could just take speech but keep my mouth shut. You know what I mean? Like, that would be a better situation. Um, and this is what I think. I believe that this is how a lot of us think about telling other people about Jesus, okay? Um, I think we think, hey, you know, talking to people about Jesus, like, this is just not my thing. Like, here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. Some people have the gift, and other people like me don't have the gift. And I'm one of these people. And so for me, I think it's a lot better for everybody in the whole situation if I just keep my mouth shut and let the people who have the gift, like, kind of go do their thing. And here's the deal. For those of us in this room who are Christians, let me just say that, honestly, according to, according to the Bible or according to God, that is just not an option, okay? We don't have that option. I mean, you could go read the Bible, read it from, Gener- or from Genesis all the way through Revelation, and you will never, ever, ever find permission to not tell people about Jesus. Like, it's just not there. And I think a lot of us, we have all these excuses. It's just like, but, you know, I don't talk well, or I feel like I don't know the Bible enough, or what if they ask me a question I just don't know how to answer? I'm still learning. I'm still like in the beginning phase of this, or I'm Myers-Briggs. I took that test, and it says I'm an introvert, and so that's not what we introverts do, or I'm an Enneagram 5, or I don't know, whatever you guys, you know, claim. It's like, I like being alone. I like doing my own thing, and, and to be honest, I think a lot of us, we think, hey, it doesn't really matter much anyway, What I do, like there's other people around me. It doesn't matter what I do anyway. And let me just tell you, that is where you are wrong. See, for those of us, for for all of us who are Christians in here, us telling people in our life about Jesus, I think it matters a lot more than we realize. And for you to tell others about Jesus, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, the honest truth, unfortunately, is you're going to have to open up your mouth. (laughs) Like you're going to have to use your words, like that is the main way, like that's part about it, that, that's, part, that's, that's the main thing. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this today. I feel like um, here at Grace, I mean, we, we do, uh, we talk about this 
like frequently. And for me, I feel like I'm like, I'm always saying the same thing over and over and over again. But it's our most important thing, right? Like it's our most important, most important job. Our job as Christians, I mean, this is what, I mean, the, we, what we call, or theologians call the Great Commission. You know, this is what God has told us to do. This is our mission. And uh, it's the most important thing that we do in this life. It's the only thing that transfers to the next life. It's the only thing that really matters. By the way, let me just say this. If, um, if you're not sure where you stand with Jesus and you're here today, we are so glad that you're here. We want you to come in. We want you to be a part of our church family. And we know that there's a handful of people in this room that that is totally, totally you this morning. You're trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. Um, what we're talking about today is not for you. Okay, you are off the hook, all right? All the rest of us get to feel awkward and challenged and, and like, okay, God, you know. But for you, you are off the hook. Uh, you can sit back, re- relax. You're, we invite you to listen in 100% totally. Um, you can get on your phone. I don't care, okay? This is your thing. You do, you do your thing. But really, um, it's interesting because you're actually the people that our church family should be telling about Jesus, Okay, we're actually talking about you today, and uh, really what you need to do, if, if you haven't come to the place in your life where you've given your life over to Jesus or made that decision to follow Jesus and only Jesus, here's the deal. You need to figure that out. It's the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life, right? And I would encourage you, actually, I would beg you to make that decision today, not tonight, not tomorrow, not next week. You're not guaranteed that you're going to wake up in the morning. God doesn't owe you to wake up in the morning. He doesn't owe you that. And what you need to do is you need to know that, hey, God loves you more than you could ever understand. He loves you more than you love yourself. And he died for everything that you've ever done wrong. Because every single one of us, including myself, we are all sinners. We are messed up. We are jacked up. We are horrible, terrible people. That's what the Bible tells us. And because of that, we deserve hell for eternity. We have to pay for that. Why? Because God's a perfect, righteous judge. And he has to punish evil. Is the right thing for him to do. And, and for us, that puts us in a bad spot, meaning we have to pay. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago, for some reason, I don't even understand it, God come, came down. He chose to come down, live a perfect life. We ended up putting him to death. And on that cross, he was the perfect sacrifice because he was absolutely perfect, and he died for everything that we've ever done wrong. That's what we call the gospel. And because of that, we all have the opportunity and we get make, are able to make the decision in this life to choose to give our life to him and kind of surrender our life to him or do life our own way. That's what you need to figure out today. And I beg you to surrender to him. All right? But for the rest of us, man, we got work to do. And we have a job to do. And Jesus, he talks about this one day. One day, Jesus, he's doing his thing. He's talking. Uh, he's, he's along the edge of the Sea of Galilee, which is like northern Israel. It's a big old lake up there. And uh, he's talking to a bunch of these religious leaders. And they're trying to trick him. And they're trying to trap him. They're trying to um, get him to stumble over his words, which they were always trying to do. The religious leaders and Jesus were always butting heads with each other. And so after this big old talk, Jesus decides to take his disciples who are with him. And they cross over to the other side of the, of the lake. And when they get to the other side of the lake, they start... Uh, traveling north along the Jordan River, which kind of runs north and south in Israel, uh, they start heading north along the Jordan River to this city that's about 25 miles north of the, of the lake 
called uh, Caesarea Philippi. And uh, this city's at the headwaters of the Jordan River. And it's kind of cool how this all looks. Uh, we've talked about this before, I think, um, where uh, there is this big old cave that the Jordan River just like, it was like a spring that the Jordan River just kind of gushed out of. And uh, the ancient people back then, they believed that this cave, this was like the entrance to like the underworld. And there's a bunch of gods down there and they had to appease the gods. And one of the main gods, they had like all these temples and stuff everywhere and all these gods that they worship there. Um, it'd be really the last place you'd ever expect Jesus to be hanging out at, you know? And so Jesus is up there. He's with his disciples. And, uh, and he's turned in. There's one of the main gods that they worshiped was this god named Pan, who was like a half man, half goat god that was the god of fertility. And so everybody, you know, a lot of people from all around, if they were having trouble getting pregnant or anything like that, they would come to the temple. They would worship Pan. They would, um, they had like temple prostitutes. And they even, and it was even worse than that. I mean, it was just a terrible place. Uh, they, you know, they had goats there that you could spend the night with. Like, it was just all this, like the worst of the worst. And, um, and Jesus is up there with all this kind of going on around him. And uh, he asks his disciples a question. This is what he asked. He says, hey, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. He says, hey, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's saying, hey, who do people say that I am? Now, this question is like the question, right? Like, isn't this the question like the ultimate question? And, uh, and, and so the disciples, they hear this, and they're like, okay, you want to who do people say you are? Okay, Jesus is like, that's kind of a weird question, but uh, we'll play along with it, okay? And so they start spitting out some answers. And so um, it says, they replied, they said, hey, Jesus, some say that you're John the Baptist, okay? Which at this point, John the Baptist had already been beheaded by the king, and so they think, Jesus, that you're... you're Came back, you're John the Baptist, come back to life. He was a preacher, you're a preacher, and so maybe you're one of him, they say. And other people say that you're Elijah. Elijah's also dead. Uh, he's been dead for hundreds and hundreds of years, an Old Testament prophet who did a bunch of miracles. In fact, Elijah did more miracles than anybody else in the Bible except for Jesus. And so all the people, the Jewish people are like, hey, Elijah did a bunch of miracles. You're doing a bunch of miracles. Uh, maybe you're Elijah come back from the dead. And others say Jeremiah, who is an Old Testament prophet, or just, or just really any of the prophets. And so Jesus, he hears this, and he's like, okay, um, all right. Uh, so people think that I'm a good guy. That's okay, I guess. By the way, if you were to ask people in our world, like our world gives us the same answers. Yeah, we don't say Elijah or Jeremiah or John, the, you know, I've never heard anybody give me that answer. But what we say is, what the world tells us is like, oh, yeah, Jesus, he's a good guy. He did some good things. He said a lot of good stuff. You know, that's Jesus. But, but what Jesus is fishing for, he's like, do people realize that I'm God? And the world around us here today, most people don't claim that. You know, or, or the world doesn't claim that. And so it's the same kind of answers here today. Yeah, Jesus, he's a good guy. And so Jesus, he um, looks at them, and he, he just straight up asks them. He says, okay, well, what about you guys? He says, who do you say that I am? By the way, this is the question each and every one of us, we answer at least at some point in this life. Okay, by the way, pushing this answer off or pushing this question off is answering the question. So he just, um, he just flat out asks them. And uh, Peter, if you know anything about Peter, he was kind of the loudmouth of the group. He was the one, he was, he was the kid in class who's always raising his hand first. So, oh, and he's blurting out the answer as he's doing it. He says, oh, I know this one, Jesus. I got this one. He says, you, Jesus, are the Messiah, meaning the Savior, that the Jewish people have been waiting for for hundreds of years. He says, you are the Savior, the Son 
of the living God. Here, here, Peter, he like gets it. He says, no, 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 Jesus, you are so much more than Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, or any of those guys. He's saying, you are the one that God promised to us. You're the one that our, that our people have been waiting for for hundreds of years. You are the plan since the beginning of the world or since sin entered the world. You are the Savior. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And I don't think Peter, I mean, we know Peter, he didn't understand how all this was going to work. But somehow he knew Jesus was going to fix this sin problem. And Peter just nails it, right? Right? All right he nails it. I mean, he's, he hits the... The hammer on the head. And before Peter shouts this out, I mean, think about what Jesus is known as. Known as. He's Jesus, the son of the carpenter. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the prophet. Jesus, the, the teacher. Jesus, the, the pretty good guy. And Peter's like, no, nah, no, nah, that can't be it. Like, that can't be, oh, you're so much more than that, Jesus. You, he's saying, Jesus, you're the real deal. And Jesus responds to him. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. He's saying, you didn't come up with this on your own. All right, this isn't just you coming up with this. He says, no, no, this was uh, revealed, uh, he says, uh, this was revealed basically by my Father in heaven. This is from God. That's how you understand this. And he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. He changes his name from Simon to Peter, which Peter is is Petras, which means rock. He's kind of doing a play on words here. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, what's he saying? What's the rock? Peter the Rock? They just named Peter Rock, basically Petrus, right? Is, is that what he's saying? And, and a lot of you guys I know are like Catholic, and that's what the Catholic Church would teach. They would say, Peter, yeah, upon this rock, upon this, this one man, the first pope, you know, this is, this is him. That's how he's going to build his church. But it's interesting because if you just read five verses later, Jesus is calling Peter Satan. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a very good, like, eh, that's what you're building your, you know, that's what you're building your church off of. You know, he's saying, he tells Peter, he's like, Satan, get behind me because Peter's doing the exact opposite of what he should be doing. All right? No, that's not, he's not building this off of one messed up man here. What Jesus is saying is he's building this off of what Peter just said, the truth that Peter, that just exited out of uh, Peter's mouth, that Jesus is God and that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Savior. By the way, that's what we today call the good news. We call it the gospel, which literally means good news. That's the good news. Jesus was God. And that he came, and he came to save us. And for the first time in history, the idea of this thing called the church is talked about. And then he says, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. It's interesting because where they're standing, all right, in this area, Caesarea Philippi, I mean, they got, I mean, the worst of the worst of societies all around them, right? I mean, all kinds of, of terrible, terrible things and uh, worshiping fake gods and just, you know, prostitution and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And uh, they, may, they might even be standing next to this temple where, where what the ancient people believed was the gates of Hades, where the Jordan River came out of this cave. Like, that's, that's the gate to the underworld. And he's looking, maybe he's even looking at that. Maybe he's even pointing. He's like, hey, the gates of Hades or, or what we just saw today, like, not even that can stand against it. Like, no force, Satan can't do anything to stop this thing that I'm going to call the church, this thing that I'm going to build through you guys and through that truth, Peter, that you just said. He's saying, I'm going to do something 
through you guys that you guys have never seen before, that you guys have never even thought before. And I'm going to call this thing the church. And guess what? It's going to be so powerful that Satan can't even stop it. It's going to be unstoppable. And you know what the disciples are thinking, right? Like the disciples are thinking, they're like, okay, Jesus, we don't know what you mean. We don't understand what's going on. I'm sure the disciples are a little confused, like, whatever you say, Jesus, yeah, we're, we're behind you. You, you know, you build your thing. Like they have no idea what Jesus is talking about. And I'm sure some of them, they're like standing there and they're like, okay, Jesus, now here's the deal, Jesus. You've done some cool things. Like, we've, we've, I've gotten to see some of this stuff with your own eyes, and it, it's cool. Like, the time when the royal official's son was, uh, was sick and dying, and he came running up to you and was like, hey, Jesus, please heal my son, and you're like, done. And that, that kid was healed that very minute that you said that. Like, that, that was cool. I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. Or, or the time when that man who couldn't walk for 38 years, basically his entire life, like he, was just, he was just sitting there, laying there, and you walked up to him, and you're like, hey, pick up your mat, get up and walk. And the guy got up and walked and started running around and stuff. Like, that was awesome. Never seen anything like that in my entire life. Or, or when there was thousands of us and you were teaching on that hill and everybody was listening to you, but we're all hungry because we've been, we've been listening to you all day. Um, and, uh, and we didn't have any food. And so you took that kid's lunchbox and you uh, fed thousands of people out of it. Like, that was crazy. Never seen anything like that before. Or Jesus, that time that you walked on water, like, you're going to have to teach us that trick. Because that's sweet. You know, that saved us a lot of time. We could just walk across this lake and stuff like that. You know, they're, they're probably thinking this. But, but, hey, you know, Jesus, like, we know you have power. And we know you can do whatever you want. But, but us, we're nobodies. We're fishermen, most of them. Like, the lowest in society. We're men, like, we're men that work with our hands. Like, we're uneducated. By the way, you ever feel that way when it comes to telling people about Jesus? My guess is that every single person in this room, all right, if you're a Christian, like, we've all felt that way. We're like, Jesus, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do here. I'm not the guy you want to use to reach this person. Like, like I promise you, like, I'm not the best fit for this, all right? I'm uneducated. You know, I'm a nobody. Like, Jesus, find somebody else. By the way, I'm sure they're also thinking, like, here, Jesus, not, it's not, not just us, but, you know, like, I hate to break it to you, but the religious people, they don't even, like, like you, you know? Like, look around, Jesus. There's only 12 of us here, right? You're trying to, you're trying to talking about building this church of a bunch of God followers. Like, like the God followers, they don't, even, they don't even like you. They don't even think that you're for real, that you are actually Jesus. Like, and you're talking about, like, like, just the 12 of us? I mean, there's only 12 of us here. And think about it, Judas, like, we're not even sure about that guy, you know? Like, he might be playing for the other team. We're not sure about him yet. And what are you saying, that you're going to do something like an unstoppable force? Like, how? See, we think the same thing. Right? Like, Jesus, you don't want to use me. I'm stumbling. Like, I'll be stumbling through my words, and I'll probably say something that's, like, heretical. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't even know my stuff good enough. Or, Jesus, I've, I've made so many mistakes in my past. No one's going to listen to me. Or you're not the, I'm not the guy that you want to use. Or I'm not the girl that you want to use. You know, I, I, I still make mistakes, even today. See, what the thing that we got that the disciples didn't have 2,000 years ago is what we can do is we can fast forward 2,000 years. And we can look around today. Church is still here. Right? Here we are. Just like what Jesus was talking about. It's actually kind of weird to think about. Now, how did we get here, though? Well, of course, because Jesus died and paid for all of our sins on the cross, and, and that's the best news ever. But 
we're here because these 11 uneducated, unprofessional, messed up guys ended up telling somebody who then told somebody who told somebody else, and then that person went and told somebody, and then that person went and told these people, and those people went and told these people, and who told somebody, who told somebody else, who told somebody, 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 who went and then told somebody, and then that person went and told somebody else, who told somebody, who told somebody, who told somebody, who told you. And now it's your turn. Right? Now it's, now it's our turn. The question is, what are we going to do with it? See, when you became a Christian, you made this decision based off of somebody telling you this good news. Like, somebody told you, right? Like, you didn't just come up with this on your own. Somebody told you. The question is, what are you going to do with it? And if you don't move, here's the deal, the gospel or the good news, the good news doesn't move either. Like, if you keep, keep your mouth shut, the good news doesn't, doesn't leave, okay? That's, that's not how it's supposed to work, which means you are going to have to use your words. And a lot of people are just like, no, no, that's, that's, not, how, that's, that's not my strategy, uh, Zach. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love on them, and I'm going to build relationships with them, and I'm going to pray for them. And I'm just going to say right now, that's all good. All right, that's actually, we should all be doing that. You should be doing that. But telling people about Jesus requires more. It requires your words. It just does. And unfortunately, that's what most people seem to be the most uncomfortable doing. Um, throughout thousands of years, or throughout the years, maybe thousands of years, I guess, uh, the Christians have been super creative on how to tell people about Jesus. Um, like, you go to Ohio State game, okay, who are in the playoffs now, I'm pretty sure. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait for this. Okay, moving on. Um, it's been a good weekend, even with, you know, whatever. Well, okay, so... So anyway, like you go to Ohio State game, what do you got? You got these guys on the corner, they got their megaphone, they're like, hey, you need to turn to Jesus. You guys seen those guys? Even here in Tiffin, I think we got people that stand out there on the, you know, in front of the courthouse, justice center, whatever we, you guys call it, you know, and, uh, and they're, you know, they're, you know, turn or burn, and, you know, I don't know, they're saying all these things like, you need to turn to Jesus, and hell is for real. And by the way, let me just say, they're right, Right? Like, it's correct. What they're saying, as far as I've heard out my, you know, car window, <laughs> is, uh, is at the stoplight there. You know, it's like, hey, they're theologically correct. They are 100% correct. But, uh, and I think their heart's right in it. But what I'm saying is I've never met anybody that as they're driving by, stopped at a stoplight and, uh, you know, like, oh, yeah, I got too much road rage. You're right. Okay, I need Jesus. Yeah, I am go probably going out. Like, I've never heard anybody that's like, okay, now I'm going. Like, you're right. I'm making that decision right now in my car. I've never heard anybody who's done that. Not saying that's wrong. I just, I'm not sure that's the best, like, that's just the best way. Or you got somebody with the bumper sticker that's like, you know, hell, question mark? It's like, no. You know, and it's like, you know, like that type of thing where you're like, okay, that's a funny Christian right there. Okay, sweet. Um, you know, like I've never heard anybody that's like, am I going to hell? Is that what's going on? No, I need to, you know, Jesus must be the, you know, I've never heard anybody that's done that. Um, it requires our words. Like we got to talk to people. Uh, I went online, it was actually weeks ago, and um, I was trying to figure out some of, the, some of the cool things that Christians have come up with to, to share the gospel, and um, there's a bunch of stuff. A lot of people, they use tracks, right? You give them a track, and, you know, that's, I'm not saying that's wrong or anything. I, again, I just don't know if that's the, the exact best way. It's even cooler if your track turns into a cross, you know, like that's, that's, way more Christian, and uh, oh, it's a, okay, that's now, I'm definitely, you know, making that decision 
for sure. Um, some people, I, I found this. This is the Evangeball. Some of you guys may think it's a soccer ball, but no, this is the Evangeball, okay? And so you go up to people. Uh, the way the system is supposed to work is you go up and you say, yellow means Jesus, light, okay? Awesome. And uh, your heart is, is dark, okay? And, uh, and then Jesus gave his blood, and um, now you get the green light, okay, to go to heaven because of that, I guess. It's something like that. And, and so you can use the evangelist. I'm not saying the evangelist is bad. I'm just saying I've never met anybody that's like, yeah, man, some dude at the park walked up to me with this, like, soccer evangelist thing. And they were, like, showing. I was like, that makes sense. No, like, I've never met anybody that's like, that's, that's, that's the way. Or uh, you got this. This is the, the good news glove. And um, so you, you're supposed to walk up to people and... You hand them a glove. This is what the directions told me. You say, hey, have you ever seen a glove like this before? And they say, no, of course not. And you're like, okay, well, here's one for you. Why don't you put it on? And they're like, oh, okay, I'm ready to put this on. I'm ready to serve lunch now at the school. Um, lunch late. Okay. And so then you go through the fingers, and you're like, you know, yellow means Jesus. Dark is your heart. Jesus' blood is red. And your heart turns white as snow, but you got to accept them. And, you know, like, I've never, like, if anybody were to offer me a good news glove at Lowe's or something, like, I'd just be like, nah, you could keep it. I don't, I don't need it. I got gloves. You know, like I, like, I just wouldn't, you know, I just wouldn't, like, I'm just saying, it just wouldn't work for me. Um, one of my favorites is this. This is the Evangicube, which I think is pretty sweet. I don't know who came up with this, but they are a genius when it comes to origami. Um, so the Vanja Cube works something like this. You got, uh, you know, you're separated from heaven, and, uh, and because of that, Jesus had to die. Bam. Okay. Got Jesus on the cross. Pretty sweet right there. Okay. And then uh, Jesus died for you, and um, after he died for you, he got sent to the tomb. And so, bam, tomb. Okay. Pretty sweet, right? And then um, after the tomb, he, uh, he rose the, he rose from the third day. You know, he rose from the dead, and if you accept him and what he did for you, then you can follow the, the bridge of the cross to heaven, and someday you can shake God's hand, okay? I think it's something like that. And it's just like, okay, yeah, like, you know, again, if somebody came up to me as I'm looking at Tile in Lowe's, and they're like, were you thinking about accepting Jesus? And you're like, yeah, actually, I just, I, I was. And they're like, perfect, I got this cube thing in my pocket. <laughs> you know, I'd just be like, dude... <laughs> You're a grown man, and you got a Jesus cube in your pocket. Like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Uh, what's, what's up with that? Um, one of my favorite, this is, this is my last one. I'll get off this. I'm spending too much time having fun up here. Um, this is the Magic Bible, which doesn't seem like Christians would do Magic Bible, but, you know, this is what, this is what we do. Um, and so you got Magic Bible. Seems like a lot of people would have a problem with that. But uh, So you're looking at it, and you're like, you know, does your life feel blank? Okay, see that? See that over there? Okay. Does your life feel blank? And then it's like, you know, if you read the Bible, oh, yeah, you got some stories in there. You see that? Get everybody. Okay. And then it's like, and if you accept those stories, you can live a life of living color. That's pretty sweet, right? Magic Bible. Like, I guess my question is, Why do we think we need these things? Like, I'm not saying these things are bad. If, if God tells you to go take the Evangel Cube and go tell people about Jesus, you go do that, okay? I'm not saying that that's wrong. All this stuff is, like, theologically accurate. But I'm just saying, if you're already talking with them about Jesus, 
instead of doing like the cube thing or here's a ball I got or here's a track, read this track. Why, why don't we just tell them? Why, why don't we just, like we're already there. Why, we get to the, it's like we get to the front door, we open the door and there was like, here's a paper, read that. Okay, you know, like, like it's like we walk through and like, I'm not saying like actual people's houses. I'm saying like you get to that point in the conversation and I'm saying like, like step through, like, you know, talk to them. Like, that's your chance. There's probably no better chance for you to tell people about Jesus than right there. You're already having a conversation with them. Like, put on your big boy pants and tell them the best news of their life. Like, that's what we should be doing. And, and for a lot of us, it's just like, man, I just don't, I don't feel like I know it. And, and so I need these things to help remind you of it. Like, no, it's like, dude, if you don't know it, I don't understand how you could be a Christian. Like, you have to know it. To be saved, like this is the biggest thing in your life. Like this is our job. This is what matters in life. And, and, and it's what we're supposed to be doing. I, and a lot of you guys are really good at this, okay? A lot of you guys are better than me, I'll be honest. Um, one guy that I really look up to in our church who is like a rock star at, uh, at telling people about Jesus is this guy named Dave Melson, and he rocks those tracks, okay? And he gets people saved, and so he should keep on doing whatever he's doing, but that's not where he stops. He just doesn't give them a, a, a track and say, hey, read this at some point, you know, um, I'll see you later. No, he talks to people, and that's, it, it, he uses his words, and here's, here's Dave right here. My name is David Melson. Uh, I come, I've been here at Grace for quite a long time, and I accepted Jesus in November of 1968 before I went in the military. The preacher was preaching. He had a revival, a kind of a dramatic preacher, and he's preaching a revelation. Uh, talked about the first service and second coming of Christ, and then the second that evening I went back and he preached on hell. I'd never heard a hell preached like that. I, I'll be honest with you, I knew there was a heaven and a hell just like everybody else. I believe that that's put in people's hearts, that there's a heaven and a hell. But I needed the, the, the lifesaver, and that was Jesus Christ. I don't want to see anybody go to hell, and so every chance I get, I try to uh, work a conversation. There's always opportunities to, to share if you're looking for them. I met a guy at a gym once said, you Christians, you're always trying to push your religion on people. I said, well, look at this. If you're driving down a road and there's road construction, isn't it, and there's a hole in the ground, isn't it really nice that you have signs and warning things? He said, well, yeah, that's all we do. We're just warning you what lies ahead if you die without Christ. You know, he said, oh, well, that, that makes sense. Uh, one of the ways I like to use uh, as a starter is I go to the Kroger store and people see my hat and I wear it on purpose because people come up, especially around Veterans Day, and uh, they'll say, well, thank you for your service. And I say, thank you for your support. And I say, oh, by the way, I'd like to invite you out to my our church, Grace Community Church, and, and here's, a, here's an invite card. It's got the times on here. And here's a gospel track right here. And I make sure, I said, it's kind of humorous. Uh, but you find out that when you do this, that you're just like the rest of us, you know. And, and, but read the back. A study was done, and it, it, it said that only 3% of professing Christians share their faith. Charles Spurgeon said, if you're not concerned about the lost, you're not saved. You know, when we share our faith, you know what we're doing? We're just telling them what God said. We, we are out to see people get saved so they don't have to go, so they don't go to hell. Because once they're there, when they close their eyes for the last time, they'll be standing for an almighty God, and that's where they'll be.
and never a chance to get out. If people look for opportunities, they are there. This is, this is really who I am. I, yeah, I lift weights, I was a welder, but I like to share my faith. I like to tell people about Christ for what he's done for me, because I don't deserve it. One of the things I like the best of what Dave said is he says, if you look for opportunities, they're there. There's nothing more true than that. I mean, there's opportunities all around us, at work, at school, on our team. Some of you guys are community leaders, and you're always rubbing shoulders with people at the store. You know, instead of doing the self-checkout, which is so much more convenient, go through the normal checkout. At least you, you're like, there's, you know, you have a tiny little conversation with somebody. By the way, if you ever see me in the check, self-checkout, go ahead and call me out because I just said that, okay? Um, <laughs> I won't be offended. I'll be like, you're right. I need to, you know, it, it, there's, there are neighbors, our family, our friends. This is why Kate and I, this week, we're moving to Tiffin because we feel like there'll be more opportunities for us here to, uh, to, to help people, point people to church, but more importantly, tell people about Jesus. And uh, the reality is every time you talk to somebody, that's an opportunity. Right? If you start looking for opportunities, if you just start, like, if you just think through, if, if you take tomorrow at work or whatever, and you just, you're just like, you know what, I'm going to try to, I'm going to count up all the opportunities that God has given me to tell people about Jesus today, it will blow you away. You're just like, whoa, okay, I talk to a lot of people. You know, it's just God wants to use us. God promises to use us. And you know what God can't use? Your silence. Can't use that. See, I think our issue is, for a lot of us, we just don't feel the urgency. And for me, and this, is, this creeps into all of our lives, including mine, for sure, 100%. Um, one thing that helps me just practically is like, how many of you guys get the Seneca Daily News? You know, the little email, long email, it's a big email, you know. Um, and I'll, I'll get that, and I'll scroll through that every morning, and um, I'll see what's going on around Tiffin, you know. And at the end, they have the obituaries, and I'll just read those. I read those every day. Not that I know the people, not that I, you know, that I'll, you know, recognize anybody. That's not the reason. It reminds me every day before I get out of bed that life is short and that, and that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And, and I ask myself, I'm like, who will I be reading about tomorrow? What can I do today? We need to be telling people about Jesus, not just inviting people to church. By the way, if you're like me, <laughs> inviting people to church is so much easier, Right? Like, it's just way easier, especially if you like your church. Hopefully you do. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just less awkward. Inviting people to church, let me just say this, that's good. Like, that's something we should all be doing. We should all do that at least. But that's not telling people about Jesus. Like, you're already having the conversation. Why don't you just tell them? Why don't you at least start that conversation? See, some of you guys, you guys are like rock stars at inviting people to church. And you're awesome. And I'm, you know, I'm proud of you guys. I was just talking to somebody this week who was telling me, um, about something that happened, like, I think she said it was a year ago, maybe, a, a matter of months ago, but she said she was at TJ Willie's, okay, and there was a, and she was having lunch, and there's two ladies behind her in a booth having lunch, and um, one lady, they were both, like, from, I think, one of the Catholic churches here in town, and one lady had just started coming to Grace, 
and she was like, you know, I'm learning so much stuff, and you should come. And she, she was inviting her to church, and this lady was like, no, I'm not going, you know, I got my church and that type of thing. And she was even like, it was just funny, um, the new grace lady, I guess. I don't know who to call her, but I don't know. She might be one of you. She's probably, you're in, sitting in here, so you know the story, and I don't. Anyway, this <laughs> is a little awkward. But uh, she was like, you know, why do you guys do all that stuff? You know, why, why in the Catholic, do we do all this stuff? Like, it's not in the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, go, you know, let's go. And uh, it's not. And uh, it's just, just funny stuff. But she was even saying, hey, I will take you out to lunch after church. Just come. And it was getting a little heated, I believe, is what this lady was saying. Um, that's awesome, right? That's what we should be doing. Like, let's invite people to church. We should be inviting people to church. That's the easiest, most natural, I mean, it should be most natural thing for us to do. But really what we're doing is we're not telling people about Jesus when we do that. We're actually bringing them to a place where somebody else will tell them about Jesus. But why don't we just talk to them there? Why don't we just tell them, like, we're already talking to them about semi-spiritual stuff when you're talking about church. See, the thing we got to remember is we can't control the outcome. Your job is just to obey. You do your part. Let God do his. You know, after Jesus died on the cross, he came back to life. And um, weeks later, he, he gathered his disciples around and around a fire. And he had, like, kind of one last talk with them. And um, one of the things he says, he says, hey, I want you guys to go out and I want you to make disciples. By the way, that's what we don't do. A lot of us, we just don't go. Okay, that's an issue, by the way. We need to go. That's, that's the main thing. Go and tell others. Is make disciples. As he's saying, you need to tell people about what you've seen and what you've heard. And um, at the end, the very last statement that he says is he says this in Matthew 28. He says, and remember this. Like, out of all the things I'm telling you, this is what I want you to remember. As you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, as you're telling people, as I'm building this thing called the church, which, by the way, is unstoppable and awesome. He says, I am with you. He said, I'm with you. How, how often, just when we feel like it, just when life's good, just when, just when we need him now, always. He's saying, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You know what he does right there? He blows up every excuse we can come up with. He just blows it up. It's just like, bam, boom, done, gone. Well, that's not my job. Well, I already, I already know they'll reject it. Or, you know, what are my friends going to think? Or my work won't allow me to say that. Or I don't know enough. Or I don't want to push my friends away. Or I don't know what to say. Or anything like that. By the way, if we dig down deep, the main thing, like, like the core excuse that we have is, I think it's just awkward. Like, we're just like, I don't know, I just, feel, I just feel awkward. It's uncomfortable. And it's kind of funny because think about it. If we get up to heaven someday, which hopefully most of us will, um, you know, we get up to heaven and we see, like, a guy named, like, a guy like Paul. And we're like, hey, Paul, what's up, Paul? What's awesome? Okay, cool. What's up, Paul? And Paul's just like, man, you know, life when we are you know, living on earth, like, wasn't that awesome? We just got to go around and we got to tell other people about Jesus. Like, that was our, that was our one mission. That was our one job. Like, that was, that, that was so fun. And, and you're, like, um, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, that was cool. Like, you did, you did good, Paul. I, I read your stuff. And Paul's like, no, no, but you did too, right? Like, like you know, it's crazy how God used us. And, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I, invited a, I invited a couple people to church once. You know, yeah, God, God, God used me, which he can use that for sure. And Paul, but Paul's like, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking about, like, having those real conversations with people. Like, you actually being there and being the one that God uses, like, in that moment to lead them from death to life, like, and to, to convince them to make this decision. Like, that feeling was awesome. 
By the way, that's something we don't get to experience in heaven. I mean, what are we going to say? Yeah, I, uh, you did that a lot, Paul, but like, I didn't really do that much. Paul's going to be like, what? <laughs> Jesus told you he was with you. Like, he, he promised you that he was going to be with you. Like, why, why wouldn't you do it? What, what, what would your answer be? Like, ah, here's the deal, Paul. It was awkward. <laughs> like, that's it? Paul's going to be like, awkward, awkward. What's that word mean? Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Like, like, uh, like awkward, like they would send you to prison. Hey, I was in prison a few times. Actually, I spent a couple of years in prison. Hey, Silas, get over here. Like, uh, this guy, it was, it was awkward for him. Like, like we, spent, we spent some good times in prison. You're like, no, no, actually, I didn't. they didn't threaten me with prison. And he's like, oh, you meant awkward, like beaten with rods? <laughs> I was beaten with rods three times. And yeah, that was painful. And I, that wasn't my, my favorite part of the, of, of the journey. But like, but yeah, I, I could totally understand your logic of how that can be awkward. And you're like, no, no, they didn't, I didn't get like beaten at all, actually, by anything. Um, and oh, oh, you're talking about when you got the 39 lashes. I had a, that happened to me Five times, yeah, that peeled the skin right off your back. That was, that was not fun. I can understand how that could be awkward. You're like, no, I didn't. I, my day, they didn't lash nobody, okay? That was like illegal. Um, you can't do that. I, I didn't have to deal with that. And he's like, oh, oh, so they, they threatened to burn you alive? Like what they did to the early Christians? Like Paul had to deal with it? And he's like, you're like no. He's like, oh, they, they threatened to burn your kids alive, and then you had to watch that to get you to shut up about it. You're like, no, that. No, nah, they didn't burn nobody. We, we don't do that. Um, okay, so, oh, they came at you with, like, threatening to drag you off to the arena and feed you to lions while there was a big crowd there and everybody watched and everybody cheered for it. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I could, like, like as you were eating alive, like, yeah, I totally understand. Like, Paul would say, I'm sure, like, I totally understand why you didn't tell people about Jesus. That's not the right decision that you made, but I could totally at least understand the logic of why you didn't tell people about Jesus. Like, what are you going to say? Like, what are we going to say? No, Paul, um, I'm what they call an introvert. <laughs> and you don't understand what that word means, but that just means basically that it was uncomfortable for me. That's what we're going to say. That's our excuse. Right? Like, is that kind of messed up? <laughs> See, I think we make this a lot more complicated than it is. I think maybe the hardest part is the transition. You know, when we're talking about normal stuff to talking about Jesus, it's like we're watching the Browns game this afternoon. It's like they throw a Hail Mary. You're like, oh, that's Jesus' mom. Let me tell you about him. You know, like, you know, is that type of thing? Like, is that the transition that, you know, that's the hardest part, I think. But here's, here's the deal. Let me give you like three quick practical things real quick. We're out of time. Um, I think one of the easiest things that we can do is we just straight up ask people, hey, you go to church. Is it, it's not that, like, intrusive. Um, you go to church, you got to church, you know, you go to, ch- I, I, yeah, I go to church, you go to church, you know, that type of thing. And most people, like, like I ask people this all the time, like, where do you go to church? And um, most people, they, you know, they don't want to sound like, like a bad person. So they're like, oh, yeah, I got a church, but I just haven't been for a long time. You're like, oh, perfect. You should come check out my church. So the invite is the easiest thing. And it's the, it's the, it, like, it's easy because now you're talking about some like semi-spiritual stuff. Okay. Kind of. You're like, oh, you should check out my church. It's, you know, we got this. Um, pastor's okay. But, you know, music's good. You know, you got that for it. And, uh, and then you're like, and then the second question, so it's just like, hey, where are you at with church and that type of thing? The second question is, um, this is where you like find out exactly where they're at. 
and I would word it something like this, like, hey, um, I've been just thinking about this lately, so can I just ask you a weird question? They're like, yeah, what's up? You're like, well, if you were to die, like, today, tonight, or whatever, um, would you, like, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? Like, percentage-wise, let's say that. Like, 80%, 50%, 50 you know, like, like, where are you at with that? Almost never, never, almost, you know, people that I'm pretty sure aren't Christians, when I'm talking to people, almost everybody answers, like, 80 85%. Like, that's, like, the good number there. And I'm like, oh, okay. So um, it, it's, that, that brings you in. And then I ask them why. That's the third question. Why? Why do you think that? By the way, let me just tell you this. If they say 0% or they say 99%, it's all the same. Okay? Because Christianity, those of us who are Christians, we are 100% where we're going. Why? Not because of all the good stuff that we've done. Because we're not comparing our good stuff with our bad stuff. We are 100% because of what Jesus did. And we trust what he said he did in this book. It's the gospel. It's the good news. That's what is building this church. That's why we get the privilege of being 100% of where we're going to go. And so those are the three questions. Hey, you should go to church. Do you go to church or whatever? Okay, I've been thinking about this thing. Where, where are you at with that? Are you 100, you know, what percentage are you if you were to die tonight, if you go to heaven? Or if you were to die, where do you think you're going? And, uh, and it's not about, you know, and, and then why? And usually what everybody says is about my good stuff. You know, I've done this and I've done that. And it's not about them. If they say anything that's about them, it's wrong. It's only about what Jesus did. And then, guess what? You get the opportunity to explain to them how they can be 100%. That's it. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. It doesn't have to be so awkward. And so what I would ask for you this week is, here tonight, just think of, think of a couple of people that you could talk to. Or at least start out. Once you do it more, it gets way easier and easier and easier. That's what's awesome about it. And I'm not saying the easiest two people. I'm saying think about the two people that God, that you feel like in your heart, God wants you to talk to. And by the way, like AJ said earlier, Christmas, there's no better time. No better time than Christmas. See, the reality is, if you're a Christian, you are a part of the church. And guess what? Jesus calls us unstoppable. He says, Hell, Satan, powers of darkness. He's like, they can't even stand in the way of that. It doesn't matter if you feel like you have the gift or not. We're all required to do this. Unfortunately for some. And it's uncomfortable, whatever. But at least we're doing what God's called us to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for these words. And just reminding us once again of what our job is. We are to reach others for you. You've put us in all these certain places in our work and school and stuff that, that um, you know, you've, you've uniquely placed us to where we can reach others. God, help us to use that. And when we use that, God, you promise to use us, which is awesome. And we thank you for that. We ask us as we as the church, we go out this week and help people find you, that there's hope they can have forgiveness in you and love. Thank you for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.